welcome back to Red Lips and High Kicks with me, Lydia Holt. Thank you so much for joining me again for episode four. It's always great to have you. I am actually talking to you today on the 1st of July and I'll be probably flying home right about now, maybe with my family already actually. I have obviously been in Germany for the whole of the lockdown and have felt very, very fortunate. Angela Merkel, what a babe, hey. She has is, she is smashed coronavirus out of the park and my lockdown experience has been really quite nice to be honest it's been far warmer and far kinder than that of in the uk so i know it's a little bit spoiled of me to actually go home i guess when the uk is getting a little bit better i mean the pubs are opening what more could we want but it has made really miss my family during this lockdown it's it's such a hard time and then during these periods you really just want to cling to people you love so i have really really missed them and i've had such fomo i literally i see them all together like watching movies, doing quizzes, having dinners. And I'm like, I wanna play, like, come on, I wanna be there, is it Christmas? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> so I'm really excited to kind of have that quality time with them again. It's the end of our season here in Berlin and I literally can't believe this is how I've ended up. Like I literally started this season on a boat and now I'm finishing it here in Berlin, having made some of the most incredible girlfriends, shout out to them because I know they're listening and made the most incredible memories and are in at such a happy place in my life. So I feel so grateful. For, for everything in my life. I am one happy bean and I'm sorry, that's so smug and I hate feeling like I'm not rubbing it in, salt in the wound, I know, but you've got to be grateful for what you have because any minute now this could all come crashing down in a very, very dramatic crescendo. So I'm just hanging on to the things that I have whilst I have them. Anyway, back to today's episode. A small disclaimer, I don't really want to apologize for the quality of my podcast. Like I've said to you before, my sound booth is a towel over my head. <laughs> I live in quite a, on a quite a busy street here in Berlin. So every now and then I have to pause because a siren goes back and it's, uh, it can be a little bit disruptive, but I don't really want to apologize because I just feel like this is a, this is the charm, isn't it? This is where I'm at in my life. I'm 22. I've had to fund this myself and fund this myself. I paid for a microphone. I don't want to be too dramatic, but I'm not really at the point where I can, you know, get a sound booth and maybe send microphones out to all my guests so it is what it is you know my wi-fi is not great and talking to ashley today she was in a, a hotel in australia where she has to quarantine and i don't think her wi-fi was so great but i apologize but i don't apologize ashley was so great to talk to and oh my gosh the things she has to say are really really interesting and it was it was so fascinating to talk to her if you don't know ashley she is the principal dancer with matthew bourne's new adventures she is i don't even know how to describe her she is an artist like no other. She has done almost every role with Matthew Bourne. She was the original Vicky Page in The Red Shoes. She has done Lana in The Carmen, Sugar in Nutcracker. She's done all these parts. And what I think really defines her as a dancer is her ability to act, is her ability to emote. She is probably one of the most powerful dancers I've ever seen. She's this petite little thing, but the way she gives on stage, she's so generous. and. And the feelings she she gives out to the audience are incredible. And it was so lovely to just to talk to her today. It's Ashley though, is to not talk to the roles that she is and, and the people she creates. It's actually just talk to her. And she was so sweet and so kind. And like I said, so generous. And it was such a lovely conversation. I was so excited to talk to her. We both had quite similar experiences. We both went to Elmhurst Ballet School and both went on cruise ships after graduating and have kind of found our way after that. But it was lovely. And I think you'll, I think you'll really, really enjoy it talking to Ashley and also talking to Jess Bennett in episode three, they're two women who I feel are so in love with their art still. And I, and I really think that's important to listen to. I know it's so hard and I don't think I'm alone that 
when I say that training and, and getting to where you want to get after graduating is so hard. It literally feels like an endless mountain that you're climbing without a map. You don't know if you're going up or sideways or where you'll end up, but it's so, so hard. And when you finally do get there, which is kind of how I feel, I feel like I've kind of finally got to a place where I can actually enjoy the view. I'm so afraid of that leaving. I'm so afraid of, of that feeling leaving me and I'll, you know, get sad or maybe I just won't feel it for as long or I don't know, I'm, I'm worried for the future. And talking to these women and talking to learning how excited they are and how hungry and how they're still learning and they're still so ambitious and they have this love for their art still it, it's so inspiring and I think it gave me a lot of of warmth <laughs> and I hope you too as well I'm going to do my weekly plug of course so please like subscribe give us a follow give us a rating do all you can honestly it's it means so much to me and, and I normally get about one message every every episode from someone I don't really know and someone who I've maybe just has listened once or twice or I've, I knew them very briefly. And those messages honestly mean so much because it's just, this is the whole point. It's just one person who identifies with it and one person who sits and nods their little head and that means so much to me and is the reason I'm doing this. So please keep reaching out, please keep enjoying it and, and get in touch, it honestly, it fills my little heart with joy and I'm so grateful for this opportunity and the fact that you guys are enjoying it. So let's keep this love, let's keep this wonderful feeling going and if everyone else is going home for their summer breaks I hope you also will have lovely summers it's sometimes nice I think to get that space from dancing I mean it sounds a bit silly because we've all had space from dancing in the last couple of months haven't we but I think it's good to to allow yourself to enjoy your time and allow yourself to be with your family or your loved ones or or to do nothing really allow yourself to do that because life will get back to normal and this this busyness and this pace we'll start again and we'll forget this moment and maybe we'll even miss it just a little bit but I think it's important to allow yourself to breathe and to get some space and just to be with yourself and I think that really makes when you come back so much stronger and so much more powerful and you have so much more to give so I hope everyone is enjoying themselves and we'll have a lovely summer but please stay tuned it's a great episode like I said keep up to date with what's going on on redlips.highkicks on instagram and have a great day and you heard it stay excellent thank you so much for joining us today I think you are probably my furthest away guest so far you are talking to us from Australia right and thank you so much for having me um I'm currently yeah, in quarantine in a hotel in Australia um yeah so quite far away from you yeah definitely and um my typical question is what would you be doing today if you weren't be chatting to me but as you said you're in a hotel so I think there's not much you can be do doing if you're not talking to me yeah, no, this is the highlight of my day. So thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem, no problem. So most people will know you as the principal dancer with Matthew Bourne's New Adventures. And before we really kind of dive into that and your experience in the company, I'm really excited to talk to you about what you did before because like me, you also were on a cruise ship. Can you tell us about that experience, how you ended up there and kind of what it meant to you? Yeah, um, yes, that was my first job out of college. Um, I went to Elmhurst. And I was very classically trained, very classically driven. Um, and I, it was in my second year I saw Matthew Bourne's company, actually. And I thought, oh, that's my dream company. That's where I want to go. And kind of had all my sights set on that. Um, and I auditioned for the company. And my first time, I didn't, I didn't get the job, unfortunately. And so I was a bit of a, at a loss then, to be honest, because I'd put all my eggs in that basket. Um, so then I just did some auditions that came in and one of them was Royal Caribbean, um, or Royal Caribbean, however you want to say it, um, cruise ship. And I got that job 
And I thought, you know what, that just sounds really fun. Right up my street, I'm going to just give it a go. Not really knowing anything about cruise ships, to be honest with you. Um, And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Um, You do so many different shows, or I did at the time anyway, um, in lots of different styles. Like I said, I was quite classically driven and on the cruise ship you know I was singing I was acting I was doing ballroom jazz like all different styles that I hadn't really done a whole lot of um and you learn those things that you you don't learn at school just that um performer's life of you know making sure you're warm and doing your makeup and performing every night and being responsible for your own you know performances and stuff you don't have a teacher or someone telling you constantly um and I think I learned a lot on a cruise ship and also it was just so much fun the people are brilliant you you know living in the sunshine and on this amazing cruise ship so mm. I just loved every minute of it no and I, I could not agree with what you said anymore and you're right it's such a good environment to kind of cut your teeth on on life as a performer because it's like it is the first time you're like let loose and you do have to really be responsible for yourself and your own art and and what you bring to the performance that sort of first taste of rejection you know like you said you you fell in love with Matthew Bourne and you were so excited to audition and but how did you deal with that rejection did you ever doubt yourself or maybe doubt if you were right for the company was that did that knock your confidence a lot um I wouldn't say it knocked my confidence because I was I was quite sure that that's where I belonged in the dance world it was the it was the first time I'd really seen a company and I could picture myself being in that company and doing those kind of roles that I'd always dreamed of um so yeah, I really kind of put that in my crosshairs. And when I was rejected, yeah, it was, it was hard. And it was like, like I said, I was a bit at a loss because I didn't really have a backup plan. I kind of thought that's where I'll get in. Um, so then, yeah, when this cruise ship opportunity came along, another bonus of it, it was, you know, in the nine month contract. And I thought, okay, I'll go and do that, you know, make some money, have some experiences, and then I'll come back again and audition for Matthew mm. Bourne, uh, which is what I did. So I kind of always had that in my sights um but definitely the cruise ship is what I think then got me the job a year on because I just learned so much and I was more confident and I'd it really really turned me into a different performer and um I you know looking back you know yeah I wish I got the job straight out of college but I think the way it happened for me is the way it was supposed to happen for sure Mm, it's such a good example of like no never really means no and actually every experience is kind of worth it because like you said you that's the difference that experience made the difference and kind of brought you to where you are today it's such a good example of that yeah it really did and you know it then made Matt see me in a different light as well which then led to you know me getting to do principal roles and things so even if I had got it the first time I don't necessarily think my career would have necessarily gone in that direction so you know you really do look back and you think god everything happens for a reason and um, and I would not swap those cruise ship experiences for anything because I really had the best time. Yeah, and it's and it's so funny. And I, for me, I have several girls in my year and boys actually have done a cruise ship. And I think there's a very, very inherent stigma that grows around, the, the especially the ballet world, of the a cruise ship isn't good and a cruise ship is what people do if they can't get a job but I think mm-hmm. it angers me and I, I, I you know I'm guilty of it I definitely believed in the stigma when I was at school it was kind of not the job I wanted but like you said it's the job you need it's the job you really need to change who you are as a performer and and push you to that next level and I'm I'm so sad that that stigma exists because it's just not the case and I think if people had the experiences that we've had would see how valuable 
that job is. Yeah, absolutely. I know even when I left school, you know, they weren't very happy with me doing that. They were like, why don't you stay here another year and then try for Macon again? And I was like, no, you know, I need to just get out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I do hate that stigma because, you know, I mean, I did cruise ships 11 years ago now or something. Mm. And even since then, the shows have gotten so oh good as well. You know, they've yeah. got the, the Broadway productions on there. Um, my sister did, uh, she did Cats and Hairspray and she's done a lot of shows on ships and I've gone to see her and they're just incredible. Like I, I do wish that stigma wasn't there and people could experience that more. And, um, you know, and you want to be dancing, you train, you train your whole life to be dancing and singing. And I don't think that matters whether it's on sea or on land, you know, yeah. you, you want to use that. No, I completely agree. And like you said, it's, if you're doing, you know, everyone's dream is, is to perform, right? So like, if you can mm -hmm. just get on the stage, then you're doing your dream. Like, I don't know why, yeah, it's sort of not seen as legitimate or not seen as worthy, but you're right. Like they're so professional exactly. and I learned so much. Like I was such a better dancer at the end of it from the experience I gained on it. It was amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> you mentioned there that you kind of saw Matthew born and you had that like gut feeling that this is where I belong. Like that's amazing. And I love that. I think you're probably in the minority who actually like has that uh, belonging. And what was that like to experience? It was really amazing because, you know, you are training, especially you know, at 15, 16, that kind of age, it's, there's a lot going on and you're not sure what you want to be doing. And, you know, I was, I was wanting to be a ballerina, but you know, if I'm honest, I would watch things and be like, Oh God, can I see myself doing that? Am I right for it? Is my body right for it? Am I good enough? All these things. And, and then the, the school took us to the Birmingham Hippodrome to see Matthew Bourne's The Car Man. And it was really one of those like, epiphany moments and I was on the edge of my seat just watching this company that I didn't know existed mm. and I could just see myself straight away in there and it, the style suited me the way that they acted the just the different the different way that Matthew Bourne moves I could just see myself doing it um so I feel really really lucky to have been taken to that and recognize that that's where I belonged and then of course getting in and having Matt see that as well mm. um it's kind of awful and very nicely into place for me and I don't take that for granted at all yeah it's so nice and and I really believe what you're saying it's giving me goosebumps thinking about like the way that you saw yourself and then it was true have um were those sort of skills especially with Matthew Bourne you know it's what I really think puts unrivals Matthew Bourne is is the storytelling and and the things that you guys do there are unlike any other company I think that really exists that sort of ability to be not just a dancer but an actress and, and just a mover as well in the work, the dancing you do there is, is not in one genre. How, mm -hmm. was that again something you've always had or did you feel like you were taught that at school or, or did it develop more when you joined the company? I think um, growing up, I certainly kind of did all different styles and um, have always been, you know, a, a well-rounded dancer in that way. Um, and then like I said, when I was at Elmhurst, I think I geared much more towards the classical and that was my goal. And I kind of let those things slip a little bit. Um, so then when I saw his work, I was like, oh gosh, that's something that incorporates everything that I do. Yeah. Um, cause there, there aren't many companies like that. You know, you, you kind of told to pick like, oh, you're either a ballerina or you're a contemporary dancer or you're a musical theater. Yeah. Um, but it kind of combined everything. Um, but certainly acting, I didn't have any experience in really, mm. um, other than, you know, you act through dance and through classical and stuff, but it can be quite different and more contrived and it's more that, you know, the mime 
uh, gestures you do and stuff. Yeah, Whereas my voice is more very direct acting. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely something I developed once I got in the company. Mm. Um, and also to be fair from the cruise ship as well. Um, I remember the first audition I did for Matthew Bourne, the one that I didn't get, I kind of, you know, went in there and I warmed up and I stretched my legs and I was ready to go. And the first thing I had to do was an acting challenge. <laughs> and they just played a piece of music. Yeah, it was for Edward Scissorhands. And they played a piece of music. And they said, just run around and act like you've seen Edward in the street. And it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. And run up to people and tell them what you've seen without using words. Gosh. And, you know, as a 17-year-old ballerina, I was terrified by that concept. I know. It's that sort um, of improvisation, isn't it? Putting you on the spot and everyone gets a bit awkward. Yeah. So awkward. And I think I totally did not do well in that challenge, which contributed to me not getting the job. Um, because I, yeah, I didn't have any acting ability and I, you know, was running around trying to make it dance, which was totally not the task at hand. Um, so then, yeah, when I went on the cruise ship, you kind of learn those skills. And then when I went back a second time, I was ready for what they were going to throw at me. Um, you know, slightly different the second time. And then once I got into the company, you know, they're so the acting side of things is huge in Matthew Bond's, you know, we do a lot of research. We have to watch a lot of films. And um, again, quite often we start with character development days rather than choreography straight away. So um, I feel, yeah, very lucky that I've been able to develop that skill after I got the job. Yeah, no. And it's, it sounds incredibly immersive. It's not, you know, the character put on top of you, like, you know, a, mm-hmm. a filter. It's actually you become the character and you embody it and it comes from, from yourself and that's uh that must be incredibly uh I want to say gutting but I mean in the way that sort of like it it must be it take a lot of energy it must consume your whole being and your whole kind of self and emotional self to become someone to become someone new I guess is and and dance through that yeah and he's really incredibly collaborative in that way and you know the people who have done it before are quite often there and they're very helpful with all their information and stuff, but he does not expect you to be what they were, mm. um, which I think is a really great way to be as a choreographer um, because people have so many wonderful things to give. And if you're just trying to make cookie cutters of the last time, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he gives you all the information and then you take that how you interpret it and he's very open to you trying things um so that's really wonderful but yeah like you said emotionally it is exhausting particularly those emotional roles like Vicky Page that I've done in the red shoes and even Kim and Edward Scissorhands and things like that you know you do come off the stage crying and you're like oh gosh I got so deep into that and but you know that's incredibly um cathartic and amazing and yeah it's it's wonderful no I bet and that actually kind of leads me on to my next question I remember seeing I think the Royal Ballet did uh Romeo and Juliet in the O2 and obviously because it was in the massive theater they had zoomed in on the faces when they were taking their curtain call and I think it was Tamara Rojo and I remember seeing her face after she finished performing Juliet and she was still Juliet she was taking this bow the whole O2 was clapping but she was still Juliet she was like weeping and I imagine that's very the same experience that you have is that when the curtain closed, you know, you've just like emptied your soul and your heart and everything onto the stage. It must be very hard to do that night and night after each other. And, and, and it must be hard to kind of have anything left for yourself. How do you kind of deal with that? How do you find the motivation to kind of, you know, open up and, and expose all of yourself <laughs> to a group, you know, a massive theater? Yeah, it is. It's tough. And like you said, you know, night after night, I do 
in most productions about five or six shows a week out of the mm. seven or eight or nine, depending on where we are. Um, so it's a lot. And I suppose the only way you can really do it is just to completely dive in and be that character. And that's the thing with those characters. You're not, you're not like, oh, I have to cry here, five, six, seven, eight, or I have to do this. You just become that character and that character does it naturally. Mm. Um, and yeah, you do, you leave your heart and soul on stage every night and you are utterly exhausted by yeah. the end. Um, sometimes the emotion of it is actually much harder than the physicality of the dancing. Mm. You're more drained from that. Um, so it do- definitely takes a few kind of minutes or so to come down at the end of a show and take a deep breath and become Ashley again and then <laughs> go to the pub for a drink, you know, <laughs> so... Yeah, um, because that's the thing is you're a person as well. Like, you know, you've still got to go home and be there for your partner or, you know, call your sister. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have to be a, a, an individual and you want to be valuable as well. So it must be very hard to kind of, you know, fill yourself up again as if nothing happened, but something did happen. Yeah, the strangest is um, double show days. Um, and like I said, I do like five or six. So I usually get about two shows off a week. Mm. Um, and so I'll... Um, our resident director tries not to schedule you on twice a day if he can avoid it yeah. um, because that is quite a hard thing to turn around in an Gosh. hour and do it oh, all again. <laughs> um, so I, I've done it a few times and it's, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, you must all. cool home. Yeah, I can't I can only imagine. <laughs> no, it sounds lovely. And actually, you know, you said it earlier about that kind of, they don't expect you to be a cookie cutter and they want you to, to be you. And that's actually so refreshing to hear because I think, again, it kind of goes back to leaving school that you have to be a certain type of dancer. You have to kind of fill the shape that already exists. So it sounds so lovely that you don't have to just be, mm-hmm. you know, Vicky Page or whether you're being Lana or you're being, you know, Sugar or whatever it is, you become mm-hmm. you doing it, not the last dancer. Yeah. Yeah. It's really he Matthew Bourne is great for that he really really is and I'm, I'm very lucky to be in this company I think they do wonderful work no it sounds lovely and and you know you said it earlier when you were when you saw Carman and you were like oh my goodness this is it you must tell me like being able to perform that role again I mean how did that mm-hmm. feel I can only imagine that's gonna be one up there with one of the most satisfying fulfilling things I think a dancer can do is to become the thing that inspired them yeah, it, that was a really special moment. Um, I did comment, when was it? It must have been 2015, maybe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd been with the company kind of five or six years. So it was, you know, a, a fair while in um, to that kind of full circle moment of getting to play Lana. Um, and especially when we then toured to Birmingham and I got to do it on the Birmingham Hippodrome oh. stage. I was really like, oh my gosh. And yeah, you know, they bring busloads of Elmhurst students to come watch and kind of pictured you know yeah. myself out there at that age um so it was always really important to me when we went to Birmingham to kind of give my no, best shows and inspire yeah. the next generation um but yeah if anyone who's seen the comment it's just that it's a once in a lifetime kind of show that I know a lot of dancers dream to be in um it's so dramatic it kind of has everything you know you get to be sexy and seductive and murderous and um you know, there's lots of layers to Lana and yeah. it was so special that I got to play her. And to be honest, I wasn't sure because there's Lana and Rita, there's two characters in the Carmen. And I wasn't sure if Matthew saw me as a Lana. I thought maybe he'd seen me more as a Rita. So I wasn't sure if I'd ever get to play that role. That fully inspired me. Um, and when we had have these match chats, he calls them, <laughs> where we sit down <laughs> and kind of like review. Um, and he offered me the role of Lana and I was just like, oh my gosh, like couldn't believe yeah. this is happening. 
No, and I think actually, I don't think I saw you in the Hippodrome. I think I saw you at the in the, the theatre in Leicester. I can't remember the Curve oh, in Leicester. Yeah. The Curve. I'm sure, yeah. I saw you there, and I remember that is it's such. You're right. That's such a a kind of three dimensional character. You're, you're you're not just one emotion that you have to portray. It's it's hard. I can I remember seeing it and being like, goodness me! Like you go on a journey during that performance, and you have to be prepared to yeah. react and be every sort of character in that it's, it was powerful to say the least oh thank you yeah well <laughs> and I also I quite often um you know I quite often do play sweet characters you know I played Cinderella and Aurora mm-hmm. and you know those kind of princess roles so Lana was amazing to kind of flip that and be kind of a nasty person as well yeah. to kind of be the bad guy um which was really fun <laughs> do you find that maybe easier or harder I guess if it's a sweet character and and you're like a naturally sweet person I guess it's kind of maybe it feels a bit more comfortable but maybe you're acting more Ashley than the characters and when it's such a a character that isn't you and it's incredibly contrasting do you think that pushes Mm -hmm. you to maybe like perform better and and really like we said before you know expose yourself and throw yourself in it because it's just so not you yeah actually Lana was quite tough because like I said I wasn't really sure if Matt would see me as that because I had played all these sweet characters previously um which I actually maybe saw myself more as the nastier characters not that I'm a nasty person I don't know yeah um but you know Lana does she is the bad guy who then kind of becomes a victim at the same time so she definitely has an arc where you can kind of play um both sides which is really nice um it's very fun and fulfilling to do those kind of characters um and I remember initially my first show I I I was a blonde wig and um they thought I just looked too sweet (laughs) um that no you know no matter what I was doing acting wise they thought I looked like Shirley Temple and they couldn't really get that out of their heads so so for my second show they changed they got me a new wig and it was like a really dark brunette and I had to put thick like almost Amy Winehouse makeup on like they really had to change my face to kind of help with my character a lot yeah it's in the details isn't it that's amazing that yeah actually and it did it made a huge it. difference and it, almost, it made a difference to me you know looking in the mirror I suddenly felt like a different person yeah exactly and I think and it's interesting and I've actually speaking to a previous guest on the podcast and she was saying that you know sometimes when she performs she likes to be herself and she works at Crazy Horse and she was saying you know I want to be the just the biggest version of myself you know the most exaggerated version of myself but I think actually mm-hmm. I what gets me going I think where I get my best performances is when I'm not being myself is when I'm like well Lydia wouldn't do this but this character would do this and that pushes me that little bit further and yeah whether it is yeah. a wig a heavier lip a darker eyebrow it, those are the details that can really transform a performance yeah definitely it, it helped massively and you know you've been at Matthew for 10 years that's a, you know, a considerable amount of time to work for them <laughs> Did I mean, I guess you've kind of already answered this already is that, you know, you did see yourself there even before you joined the company. But upon joining, you know, you're, you're amongst your like heroes, those kind of first few years in the company. What, how did you survive? How did you kind of not get too overwhelmed? Yeah, um, that's a good question, really. Um, I suppose I've always been fairly, um, I, I mean, I would say confident, but maybe a different word for that. You know, I've always you know, felt valuable and knew my talents and knew what I could provide. So I, you know, was fairly confident going into the company and I dreamed of all these principal roles in his shows. Um, and, but certainly never thought they would come as soon as they did. Um, and so my first job was Swan Lake and it was, 
it was incredible to be part of that company. And then I actually got taken out of Swan Lake and moved across to Cinderella. Okay. Um, and where I was given the cover role. So I was covering Cinderella. Wow. You know, and that was my second contract. And I must have been 20 at the time. Yeah. Um, and that was quite amazing. And I, I got to perform that on that contract about four times. And yeah, I just absolutely lived those moments. Absolutely loved them. And then after that contract, Matt offered me um, sugar in Nutcracker. And that was my first kind of official principal role. Um, and then the pressure like gets a whole different level. You know, when you recover, you know, everyone's so supportive of you. And, yeah, you know, that's, that's very, so um, true. And I guess if you recover and you, and you do anything, you're sort of like given a round of applause because you weren't really expected to do anything. But when you go in and you have an expectation that you have to meet, it must be a very different dynamic. Exactly. I think that's when, yeah, the company kind of changed for me and suddenly the things I was doing before weren't enough and, you know, maybe I was going out too much or maybe I wasn't focused enough in class and all these different things that was fine before. Suddenly you've got all the eyes on you and um, that was quite a hard transition to be honest. Um, but, you know, if you can get through it and rise to the occasion and do what they, what they ask of you and deliver great performances, then... Um, yeah, and then I suppose you kind of stay at that level, which yeah. I've managed to maintain, luckily. <laughs> they, it's true what they say, kind of, you know, it's it's hard to get to the top, but it's harder staying there, in a way. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's, and it's interesting, and like you said, you know, you were just young, you were probably going out, enjoying, you know, mm-hmm. your life at the time, and it's a kind of, not that that was taken away from you, but it's just, it's a harder thing to balance with doing incredibly well at your job, and it's obviously like, you know, poor you, double-ended sword, but like, you know, obviously those know. are good problems. Right. <laughs> And like you said, you know, when you do those roles, you are expected to carry the show. So you've got mm-hmm. that on your back and, and you do leave it all out on stage. And so I get what they're saying, you know, with, you can't then go out and give it all to yeah. a night out as well. You've got to really pace yourself because it's a lot of pressure. And that kind of success, kind of, you kind of jumped there quite quickly, I guess. Did that kind of mean that you thought, how where's the ladder to climb you sort of you've done it you've accomplished it was there sort of a moment where you thought well what do I do now well I suppose what's different about Matthew's company than maybe other um, dance companies is that we're employed per show so Mm -hmm. you know I even when I got into the company I was just employed for Swan Lake so there's a lot of people who will do Swan Lake and then that will be it for them um And then, you know, even when I did Cinderella, I did cover all that doesn't then mean I'm going to be principal. So even though you get promoted in a way, you're not then there forever. It changes. And because Matthew's shows are so different, you could be perfect for one show and then not right for another. Yeah, that's true. It's it's kind of very different than like just, oh, I've been promoted to soloist or I've been promoted to principal and then you're there forever. It doesn't really work like that. So each contract, you're kind of, again, waiting for these match chats for him to sit down and tell you whether you're right for this next show or not. So you kind of definitely kept on your toes the whole time. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, like you kept on your toes, but did that, do you ever struggle maybe with the security of that? Was there ever kind of times in your life where you're like, I don't know what I'll be doing next year. Will they still want me? Especially, you know, again, when you're young and you're trying to build mm-hmm. yourself up, that must've been quite hard to, to manage that uncertainty. Yeah, it's hard. And I mean, Matt is a very loyal person and a lot of the the shows tend to have a very similar cast, Mm. Um, but that's certainly not guaranteed at all. Um, So yeah, it was, it was a bit scary. Um, Kind of the older I got and the longer I'd been with the company and I'd start doing like dance captain and things, you feel a bit more secure and 
um, you talk more openly with Matt and you kind of know what's on the cards, maybe before yeah, other yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a different one in that sense. But Yeah, no, it sounds it. And, but I mean, ultimately, it's, it's lovely that you've had the opportunity to kind of grow up and mature under under the umbrella you know under new adventures it's lovely that you will have changed as a dancer and as an individual and have you noticed that in your performance is there maybe things that you couldn't have performed like I guess Vicky Page for example like you said that's a very heavy emotional character could you have performed that when you were younger and how how has your performance changed as you've grown older yeah I mean I've definitely grown and developed in this company um without a doubt and I think things have come to me at really good times. Like you said, like Vicky Page, I don't think I could have given the performance I, you know, did when I was that young. Um, because, you know, it requires mature, maturity in sometimes the subjects matter you're dealing with, um, but as well just how you pace yourself, how you perform, how you act and interact with other cast members. Um, so, yeah, luck, I've definitely developed. And also you... I've done a couple of shows twice now. So I've done, I've done Swan Lake twice. I've done Sleeping Beauty twice, Cinderella twice and Red Shoes twice. Oh, so that's um, nice. You kind of had the opportunity to go at it at a different stage yeah, of your life. Exactly. So I did Cinderella, when was it? 2018. So fairly recently. Mm. Um, and the last time I'd done that before was 2010 when I was the cover so that was another really lovely kind of full circle moment yeah. to get to do that the five or six times a week as opposed to four times ever. <laughs> um, and yeah, you grow and you develop and you, you realize that your character has gotten much stronger and your, you know, I even think dancing wise has gotten more stronger, certainly in terms of Matthew Bourne's style. Um, so it's really nice when that opportunity happens and you get to you get to revisit it and repeat it and hopefully make it better. No, that's, that's really interesting. And it's, it's so lovely that you like, you have built that security and, and you found your place where you fit in and you've been able to, to really reach your full potential. That's what the dream is, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I've been very, very lucky. But I guess also the thing that's really worth acknowledging as well is that you've you've moved away from home you know you moved here when you're 15 that's incredibly young and you didn't just move like down the road or to a different city you moved you know continents and hemispheres how have you <laughs> dealt with that because I mean I feel I feel I'm incredibly weak I get homesick when I was living in Birmingham and you know I live in Berlin now and but my some most of my friends are Australian or Canadian or American and I think I could yeah. about being homesick more than them and I'm at least in the same you know continent but how have you dealt with <laughs> you being away from home um, do you know what? I think initially I was, I was fine with it when I was, you know, 15, 16. It's quite hilarious at the time. So I was so young. But once again, I've always had this kind of quiet assuredness, confidence or something about me that um, I just, I just knew the reason why I was there and um, was very, very focused in that way to not miss home so much. Um, I definitely felt in moments of failure or knockbacks and things. That's when I I felt really bad because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm away from home and my parents are paying all this money and they've got, you know, put everything they have into me and I'm failing. And mm -hmm. I found that quite hard. I felt this kind of pressure to succeed because I had made such a massive step to move so far away. That makes a lot of sense. It's that kind of, well, look what I've sacrificed. Like it has to work. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, you know, put a lot of pressure, but it also was, you know, a good driving force. So you can kind of see there's two sides of that. It could have been my downfall or something that maybe pushed yeah. me to keep going in those hard times um I'm very lucky that my parents used to come over quite a lot um I'm the eldest of six so wow. I've got lots of brothers and sisters and um 
my two sisters and my brother have all lived over in London at one point or another. So I've always had, you know, dribs and drabs of my family, which has been really nice. Um, so yeah, it's not easy, but it becomes, again, it becomes your normal. And I used to fly home once a year and we'd always make it, you know, really special and utilize all the time I had at home to do really fun things. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's certainly not easy, but I, I've been okay. <laughs> yeah, no, and I can appreciate that. And it is, it is, I guess, yeah, it's harder and easier when you're younger because you're, you know, at school and you're probably having a lot of fun. But as you get older, it must be, uh, yeah, yeah, it changes. But it sounds like you, you, you have a lovely life here. So it's, it's good that you're not, you're missing out. Yeah, yeah. With like looking to the future, it's a ma- it's thing I'm kind of obsessed with. I don't know why it's, sort of just, it's on the top of my mind a lot at the moment. Is, is that sort of, when will I be ready to give it up? When will I be, when will, when will be, you know, too many applauses, too many curtain calls that I'll actually feel like, okay, that's enough. Is that something that you think about? And is that something that you feel, you know, your, you would, would or may experience? I, I get asked this question a lot and, um, it's something you know like my um, fiance always says like it's probably something you should think about like what are you going to do after dance and I find it very hard to look that far ahead personally (laughs) um because you know dance has always been my life and I love it and I'll definitely be that person who's clinging on probably longer than she should um so I'll definitely try and dance as long as I can but it's been interesting you know because I've always thought oh my god I'm gonna I would go crazy I wouldn't have anything and then this whole coronavirus situation has happened and it's put a halt on everything. Um, and so it's been a good time to kind of reflect and think, okay, so this is life without dance. Like, how do you feel about that? And so, yeah, I've been asking myself that question a lot lately as well. No, and um, I get that. It's so hard to even acknowledge that there is a life after this. And especially cause we have to give it up, you know, younger than, than the average person. Like retirement mm-hmm. is typically in your sixties or seventies, not in your like, late 30s so it's really it's sad that it's a problem that we have to kind of face whilst we've almost just started going we're on the get-go still exactly and I mean even you know saying I've been in the company for 10 years like I think oh my god where did that time go like Mm. it does not feel like that you know and I still feel like I have a lot a lot of years left in me dancing but I guess we will have to wait and see yeah no but it's it's lovely and it does it very much sounds that you are still in love with your art and, and have a lot of passion for it. And that's, and that's so refreshing to see and, and, and makes me feel better because I feel like, okay, cool. I'm not going to suddenly just wake up one morning and be like, nah, done, which I just would hate to feel. Yeah. yeah I mean, everyone's different. I'm definitely, um, yeah, still very, very passionate and not to say that people aren't, but people do, um, you know, decide, okay, I need to get a real job or yeah. a, a more permanent job. And, and, you know, sometimes it takes a toll on the body, you know, people with a lot of injuries and stuff just think, oh, it's too hard now. And, you know, there are a lot of different reasons to kind of when you choose to, to give it up. I think maybe for me, like I see myself in Matthew Bourne's company for the remainder of my career. And like I said, I've done a lot of productions twice. Um, I think when they start coming around <laughs> the third time, I might have to consider whether, <laughs> whether I'm willing to do that and also whether I can give as good a performance as I did last time you do have to pick when you know when to bow out that's a very it's true it's a a balance isn't it because you might still have it in you but are you delivering the same quality yeah and you and you know a lot of the roles I'm playing are 16 year olds or very young (laughs) you know princess heroines and yeah yeah. Um, well maybe my roles will just change and I'll you know become the stepmother and things (laughs) like that so you know I'm open to that as well to, to keep performing but we'll see Good. No, it's lovely. And uh, I think you're right. I think you've got to 
whilst we have it we have to really enjoy it and just make the most of it and yeah it's, it can be quite fleeting <laughs> indeed yes um my last question and it's the one I ask everyone is if you were to meet your younger self if you could kind of go back into Elmhurst and you see her running around the building what would be the oh, one thing <laughs> the one <laughs> thing that you want to prepare her for or, or tell her in and kind of just to to help her as she's about to start her journey Oh gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I'll just probably say, you know, keep your head high, keep, keep what you want inside and don't let anyone sway you from that. Um, know that you have value in this industry, maybe, you know, even when you don't feel like you do. Um, and to just enjoy every experience and everyone you meet, because that is the best part of this, to be honest. Um, you know the the people and the experience that this life brings you is the stuff that you will cherish um and yeah just enjoy every single moment on stage because this is what it's all about mm. yeah, that's yeah. lovely and <laughs> thank you very much well thank you for talking to me and it's been lovely to kind of understand you know how you've got to where you are and and the things you've experienced and it's uh it's really really interesting to get to talk to you so thank you thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure Great, and have a lovely day, and I hope that everything is is well and safe for you back in Australia. Oh, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.